we are starting a new series tonight. And I am thrilled. And I have actually been in preparation for this series for for a couple months. Um, have known we were preaching this and actually waiting. I wanted to start the series a whole lot sooner. And the Lord's like, wait, 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 now. Kind of like a brave heart kind of moment there. That's what that was. And we're going to be studying the book of James. And we have a title for this series. It's Vital Christianity. Vital Christianity. Vital. It is crucial. It is necessary. It is necessary for life. It is vital Christianity. And when I read this book, that is what we get. When we study the book of James, that is what we get. The book of James has been referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament. But guys, it is so much more than that. Because uh, Jesus... Uh, it's just in every word, every sentence, he's demonstrated, he's revealed, he's glorified. I mean, I love this book. My favorite passage, and it's been my favorite passage since I was a boy, uh, in the Bible is Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation for all who believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The word God came first to the Jews, then it was brought to the Gentiles. So, um, on my iPad, uh, in my Bible, this is Romans 1.16. You know, I highlight it. You know, it's a big, you know, when a verse stands out to me and it's important, I highlight it. You know, you just press a button and choose the color and boom, I chose pink. This is James chapter 1 in my iPad. And that's just the first 18 verses. Um, let's see here. This, this is James chapter 1. Um, I could just read the parts that aren't highlighted. And I think I was just afraid of overkill of highlighting that they would all blend because it's all good. That's just James chapter 1. This chapter is so amazing and it's challenge to us to be doers of the word. If I had to just copy one verse and say this is the theme, it's doers of the word. Be doers of the word vital Christianity. Guys, our walk with the Lord is meant to be walked out. It's called our walk with the Lord. It's not called our sit with the Lord. It's not called our our sleep with the Lord. It's not called our, it's called our walk with the Lord. We have to walk it out. We have to be doers of the word. As we go through this verse by verse, you would be amazed at how many of these verses you have memorized. If you don't have one memorized, you should. Because I call upon a verse from James I, every week of my life. I, I, I think about the ones that just come naturally. They're there. They're from James. They're just, just amazing. Guys, we're starting this series together, and this series is going to take us into the new year. And I don't know how far into the new year. But here is my plea. Here is my challenge. Let's do this together. Okay? Let's do this together. Please don't go from Saturday to Saturday having not opened your Bible to this chapter and not studied this so that when we show up here together, it's it's already just confirmation to what the Lord's already been stirring in your heart all week. Let's do this together. Are you with me? This is an awesome book. I want you to fall in love with this book. So we're just going to, tonight's just an intro. 
Tonight, my goal is to stir passion within you for the studying of God's Word. Now, see, I love His presence. I love God's presence. I love being in His presence. I love worship because we're in His presence. I love getting stirred by the Word of God because I'm in His presence. I love being in His presence. I love praying because I love being in His presence. I love intimacy because I love being in His presence. And I'm not uh, exalting the reading of Scripture. Hey, the trick-or-treat people coming through. There you go. By the way, I have told Brad to wave me down if we had a salvation at trick-or-treat. I want to know about it, and we're going to give God glory. So if he's waving frantically or coming in crying or something, you know, then we'll know. So I'm not trying to exalt Scripture above any other portion of our walk with the Lord. But we better have a passion for spending time with God and digging in and and getting fed by His Scripture. You know what a sign of spiritual maturity is? The ability to feed yourself. That is a sign of spiritual maturity. The ability to feed yourself. Friends, if you're not there yet, if you're not at that place... Um, to spiritual of uh, spiritual maturity, where that you are capable of feeding yourself in His Word. Hey, that's all right. We'll get there together. Be encouraged. We'll get there together. But let's be clear. This is the goal: to be able to feed yourself. I want you every now and then to throw me a bone, man. Throw me a treat. Oh my gosh, I was studying. God said this. Isn't it awesome? I love when people come to me and go. I saw this. I've never seen this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never seen this. And I promise you, I will do that because I'm. I don't have this memorized. Oh my gosh, I've never seen that either. That's phenomenal. So let's get into the who, what, when, where, why, house. Who? Author of the book of James. The writer of this letter was Jesus' half-brother, James. There are multiple Jameses that we hear about in the Word. Um, and here's how we know that this James was the writer. We know it was not James the Apostle, the brother of John. Because James the Apostle, the brother of John, died in what most believe to be around 44 A.D. Um, This book um, was written at the earliest, they say, 45 A.D., but somewhere between 45 and 50 A.D. Um, So it wasn't James the Apostle. Um, And by the very nature of the minimalistic introduction of this book we see that the writer of this book, James, he doesn't go to any sort of great lengths to introduce himself. Uh, And by that very nature, we go, okay, so this is a man who is honored in the church, who is known in the church, who doesn't feel the need to introduce who he is um, and made no other specifications. So uh, it's beyond logical to go, okay, this this is written by James, the brother of Jesus. James was well known enough to the church to have written this letter to the scattered Christians abroad without needing further identification. So we see in Scripture that James was one of several brothers of Jesus, probably the oldest since he heads the list in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 55 says this, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and and Judas? So he's listed there as a brother of Jesus, and it's assumed that he's the oldest because of this place of honor in the, in the listing here. So this is a pretty cool feature that I, that I love, and I really want us to give thought to. 
Um, this is one of the few heroes of the New Testament where we know who their parents are. Where we have scripture of who their parents are. We know who James's father is. We know who James's mother is, right? Who's James's father? Joseph, the carpenter, stepfather of Jesus, husband of Mary, Joseph. So who, who was Joseph? Let's look into a little bit of the character of Joseph. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, James' dad, before they came together in good marital loving, before that happened, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So we see, we see a glimpse into the character of Joseph right now. First of all, he knows she's pregnant. And he's assuming every, what, what most people would assume. There was infidelity. You know, this is clearly not my child because it says right here that he has not laid with her. They had not come together. So his plan was to marry her and divorce her quietly. I'll come back to that in a, in a second. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Down to verse 24. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So what kind of a man was James' dad? He was a righteous man, is what the scripture says. He was an honorable man. This was a man that by being willing to say, I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep this to myself. I'm going to marry her and just quietly divorce her. What he was doing was he was putting his name at, at stake. He's now Joseph the chump. He's Joseph the punk. He's Joseph the, the coward. Didn't have the, the courage to do what was right, to do what he had the right to do, which was to have her stoned publicly in the court. He's Joseph the coward. He's Joseph the chump. His work. He's, he's a carpenter. How much business do you think he's going to get being a chump? Being perceived that way in the community. These are the things that Joseph was willing to do because he was a righteous man, an honorable man. And check this out. He was willing to do all those things before knowing that she was pregnant as a result of God that that baby's father was God. He was willing to do all the, those things before that. We read that he said, and after he had, had seen the visitation of the angel, he went and did these things. But prior to that, he was still willing to do the honorable thing. This is a good man, a godly man. And James' mom, 
that would be Mary. Not the virgin Mary anymore. Because after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary had other children. And none of them were immaculate. Immaculately conceived. I mean, you know, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Half-brothers and sisters. As a result of um, Joseph and Mary looking around. Kids are all at trunk or treat, having a good, healthy sex life. Having a, that's had lots of kids. But we see that she is a godly woman, chosen of God to bear the Son of God. So knowing who his father is, knowing who James's mother is, you want to hear something crazy? Despite being raised by Joseph and Mary, Joseph or um, James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after he had died and rose from the grave. I mean, that's crazy to me. I don't know. Perhaps Joseph and Mary never shared. I, I don't know. We don't know. This is a, a, a gap that we haven't had filled in for us. Perhaps they never shared with their, their other kids. I don't know. We just know that Jesus' brothers and sisters didn't believe it. We see that in Scripture. We see in John chapter 7, James not only not believing, but challenging Jesus and totally misunderstanding Jesus' mission. John chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, his brothers said to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples may also see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. It's hard for me to even read that without even hearing condescension. I, I, I keep trying to read it to go, am I assigning tone? Am I assigning tone to these brothers? And I don't think so. They didn't understand his mission. Hey, you're trying to reveal yourself? Reveal yourself! What are you hiding for? See, these were brothers talking to their brother. Little did they know they were talking to the Son of God. So when did Jesus, or when did James start following Jesus? It did not happen until after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-7. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James than to all the apostles. Acts 1.14 says this, Then all with one mind they were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The first passage we read is an account of what happened after the resurrection. The second account from James is right prior to the day of Pentecost when they were gathered together, when Jesus had ascended and said, Wait! Wait! For the Holy Spirit will come upon you and endow you with all power. We see that James received a personal encounter 
with Jesus after the resurrection. And then we see that he is gathered with the other believers now waiting for the Holy Spirit. James, who grew up with Jesus as Jesus' half-brother, same mom, did not at first believe that Jesus was the Messiah. I echo this point just to simply encourage you. Um, for the moments in your faith gets takes a ding, takes a hit, gets beaten and all, have grace for yourself because even James who grew up with Jesus didn't believe it until he saw evidence. So have grace for yourself because God has grace for you. So what kind of a man was James? And if I can pause here for a second, guys, I have a ridiculous amount of notes on the intro. I, My notes are so long right now, I will never get to them all tonight. I just got excited digging into who who this man was, into the background of what was going on at the time, the who, what, when, where, why, how. I encourage you to do the same. So what kind of man was James? He was a leader in Jerusalem. After seeing the resurrected Christ, he became a believer and ultimately the most influential of leaders of the church in Jerusalem. Galatians 1, 18 and 19 says this, Then three years later I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. He became the head of the church and Paul calls James, a pillar of the church. These are Paul's words in Galatians 2, verse 7. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectively worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Paul honors James as a pillar. I won't get to it. I won't get to it tonight. But there's this weird third-party offense that a lot of Christians, and particularly Lutherans, and if you're a Lutheran, if you grew up Lutheran, I'm not attacking you, I'll get around to that because it deals directly with Martin Luther. But people perceive this weird conflict and contradiction between James and Peter. See, see, or uh, I'm sorry, and Paul, between James and Paul. Because Paul, see, Paul's all about grace, 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 grace. But James, we're going to see, is he talks about works. Let there be works. So there's this perceived offense and conflict, and, and it's non-existent. We'll, we'll get there as we go to it. That's just a little teaser. But to continue with who James was, he was one of the select individuals that Christ appeared to after the resurrection. In Galatians 1, we read that on his first post-conversion visit to Jerusalem, Paul saw who? James. So read that in Galatians 1. We see that Paul did the same thing on his last visit. That's found according to Acts 21, 18. When Peter was rescued from prison, he told his friends to tell James. Acts chapter 12, 17. 
James was a leader in the important council of Jerusalem. We see that in Acts chapter 15, verse 13. Let's look at Jude chapter 1. Jude 1.1. 1, 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. James was so well known that Jude could identify himself simply as the brother of James. You know what's cool? You know who Judas or um, through Jude who Jude's half brother is, right? Jesus. So Jude is the little brother of Jesus. If Jude is a brother of James, we've established that you know where I'm going. But by this point, one of the brothers who didn't believe, once he witnesses the resurrected Jesus Christ, he no longer would consider describing Jesus his brother. But he says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a servant of the Master, and a brother of James. James is one of the most respected men in, in our history of faith. His audience covered the who, we covered the when. The audience. His audience was made up of Jewish people primarily who had trusted in Jesus Christ, walked away from their previous beliefs, their previous styles of worship, and were enduring unbelievable persecution. His audience is also a fairly, you know, recently acquired faith. So people that were, were baby Christians, but that believed, believed enough that they were willing to endure the persecution of being left by family, renounced by family, to have lost homes, possession, been displaced. This is his audience. This is who he's talking to. People that are enduring persecution for the sake of Jesus. Imagine it, okay? Let's get one thing totally clear. Persecution did not end with the crucifixion. Persecution of Jesus did not end with the crucifixion. It only began there. Once Jesus rose from the grave and is appearing to hundreds of people... We see an account of at least one instance of 500 people at once. The persecution just started getting going. And this is who he's writing to. How bad was the persecution? Almost all of the Christians of this time that he's writing these letters to have been driven for their homes in Jerusalem and scattered to other places. And that's why he's addressing them as tribes, as the 12 tribes. You're scattered. You're all over. Let me encourage you. There were many, many circumstances which caused them confusion, fear, loneliness, anger, sorrow, poverty, and hardship. And these are what James refers to as trials of many kinds. I love looking at the first words of one of these letters written. 
I love looking at the intro. Guys, when we're studying the word, look at the intro. Look at how someone chooses to begin their letter. Let's see how James chooses to begin this letter in James chapter 1. James 1, 1 says this. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Hey, let's just dispense with the pleasantries. I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ, greetings. Straight to the point, I know you are in the midst of trials. You see, if I was writing a letter to somebody that was dear to me, that had just endured the flood and had really gotten hit hard by the floods we had, I promise you I wouldn't have started the letter by, hey, how's your brother Phil doing? And how about them Broncos? And oh my gosh, I got to tell you about this pizza place. I would go straight to, brother, how are you doing? I am praying for you. God is faithful. You can do it. And that's what James is doing here. That's the audience that he is writing to. This, we need to keep all these things in context when we are going through this study together. And guys, we've got to do it together. Please don't just let me get up here and preach each week without us having been digging into this book. Parents, share these verses with your children. Write them on their boards in their rooms. Write them on note cards and tape them to their mirrors. Have them memorize these passages because these are mighty tools and weapons that we equip our children with and that we need to, adults, equip ourselves with. Gosh, this this is unbelievable how many more notes I have and I'm done. I can't wait to get into the the contradiction or the conflict with Paul because it's good stuff. I tell you, we, we heard a couple testimonies last week of people getting up here and talking about, um, I used to not believe that God spoke to me until God started speaking to me. And I started expecting God to speak to me and started hearing him. And now I hear from him all the time. In his word, God will speak to us again and again and again and again. And I'm excited about this study together. I haven't even preached yet. Tonight was just teaching and I didn't even get done there. If we will invest our time and show up ready to feast, God has something for us every time we get in this chapter. He will stretch you. He will challenge you. You will be uncomfortable. There are times you will not like it. And there's times you will celebrate it. This is an amazing writing. So let's dig in, huh?